Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show, the number one talk show in St. George, starring Andy Griffin. Wow, I love the sunshine. It is beautiful out there. Looking out uh, toward the east from the uh, Bluff Street Studios. Our Camping World of St. George Studios, high above Bluff Street. I'm Andy Griffin. Thanks for joining me today on the program. The Vibrant Vibrant Youth Show is uh, at 9.30 this morning. And until then, we've got, uh, well, me and an author. Her name is Deborah Lott. Uh, Deborah, I think, is on the phone with me. Hopefully, I didn't get a chance to talk to her before we got on. Deborah, are you there? I'm here. I'm here. Good oh, morning. Good. How are you today? I'm okay. We're hunkered down in Los Angeles. We're not leaving our houses, but but we're fine. Mm, well, hopefully you found, you got Netflix or something streaming, so at least you can. And you're a writer, so you have plenty to write about anyway. Right, right, right. I can amuse myself, and, and my <laughs> husband is pretty amusing too. <laughs> well, Deborah is the author of a uh, upcoming book. Is it out yet? Don't go crazy without me. Um, it- it's actually available for pre-order. It, it's officially released on April 7th. Okay, we're getting close. That's just a week or so away from, from right now. Uh, Deborah, can you talk a little bit about what your book is about, and then we'll kind of bring it all in and relate it to what the world is going through right now. Sure. So my book is about really growing up under the influence of my dad. My dad was charismatic. He could be a lot of fun. He liked to he liked to dress up. Sometimes he would dress up like uh, Little Lord Fauntleroy. <laughs> um, but he was also a hypochondriac, a terrible hypochondriac with a fear of germs and disease, which he passed on to me. Um, and so, what the book is really about is kind of my bond to him. I was closely closely bonded, and then at a certain point, he went from being neurotic, kind of what my mother would call lovably neurotic to being psychotic. He had Mm. actually a psychotic break and lost touch with reality. And I sort of had to pull back from the brink or I was going to go there with him. Um, So I sort of had to re-examine everything that he had taught me, um, all my beliefs about the world in order to be sane. Man, oh man, that sounds like a rough atmosphere. At what point did you start to realize that your dad wasn't quite right? Well, I, I think, you know, I think when you're a kid, you kind of accept that your your parents are the norm. So oh, my yeah, dad yeah, was yeah. eccentric, and he was fun. Um, and he had, a, you know, he had some weird beliefs about, about food being dangerous. He would never eat a piece of bread that is hand-touched. Um, when mm. we had to open a can, we would have to gather around and listen for the air to rush into the can to make sure it was vacuum-sealed because he thought that we could get botulism. So I think I realized he was eccentric and not exactly like other dads in the neighborhood. But then when his mom died, when I was about, um, actually she was buried on my 14th birthday, which is another story, mm-hmm. but um, when his, his mom died, he just didn't know how to grieve in a healthy fashion, and he started taking more and more downers and barbiturates, and he just lost touch with reality. And when he was finally hallucinating people who weren't there, that's when I realized, okay, I, I can't go there. I've got to pull back. Man, that, that, that has to be a hard thing for a kid to, to realize that your dad, though strange, uh, you, you know, thought he was kind of perfect. I mean, we all think that about our parents, right? Right. We all think our parents are per- And then we get to a certain age, 
like adolescents where we start to really rethink and we maybe we think they're horrible and then hopefully in adulthood there's some kind of new reckoning where you get a sense of balance about it all right yeah in in i think we all had no people who are a little little bit of a hypochondriac not to the extent that your your father was but uh, it creates a little bit of angst in everything that you do when you have that, that kind of attitude, and your dad passed maybe a little bit of that onto you? He, he passed more than a little bit. Mm. He passed more than a little bit. I mean, when we were kids, I don't think my brother and I ever had a headache that we didn't think was a brain tumor. I never had a little, like, twinge in our chest that we didn't think was a heart attack. Um, my dad, if other kids in the neighborhood had a contagious disease, I would basically get quarantined because he was so afraid that I would catch it. So that, that it doesn't go away. Um, it, it's kind of an illness in itself. So I'm fighting it all the time. Um, uh, I have to talk myself down a lot. Mm. Now, it's, it, as we bring it into present day and what's going on in the world, um, there, there are those out here, out there, and I don't agree with them, but there are those out there that are saying, oh, the whole world's got a case of hypochondria right now because of uh, the precautions being taken with, with the coronavirus. Um, what would you say to those people right off the bat? I think it's real. I mean, if you have friends in New York City, and I do, and you talk to them, it's, it's real. It's, it's a strange virus. Uh, it's unpredictable. It's very contagious. And people are dying, and I mean that's really happening. And I mean, I think we have to kind of not be hysterical about it, where we're so scared that we don't function rationally. Right. But I think we have to accept the reality of it as well. Does it bring back to you the angst of your childhood? Ah, uh, ah, uh, uh, <laughs> does it bring back? Um, yeah. I mean, sometimes I wake up in the morning and I just keep thinking global pandemic, global pandemic, global pandemic, and then. I see that image of that spiked virus that they keep showing on the news, and you can almost feel those little spikes entering your lungs if you look at it long enough. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it brings it all back. Um, but I also think that hypochondriacs are experienced in, in kind of measuring uh, reality versus fantasy. Hmm. Hmm. Can you explain more what you mean by that? Well, I, I think I can talk myself down. I think hmm. that I am able to reality test. I'm able to have a sense of humor about it so that when I start to really spiral unproduct unproductively out of control into the future, catastrophizing, I, I can come back to what's reality right now. No, I'm not sick right now. Yes, some other people are sick. Yes, I need to do whatever I can to hold up other people, to help other people. Um, but, you know, measuring your own actual risk versus what you're doing as kind of public health measures to help everyone else. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I had a friend, I have a friend who has a severe anxiety, and, and we were asking him on, through social media, how you doing? And it's funny that they were like, well, I'm actually doing great. And, and we're like, what? You know, you would think if you have anxiety, this would be, you know, the worst for it. And, and uh, he said, well, actually... The world is experiencing what I experience every single yes. day. Yes. Yes. I mean, we finally have a sense of, of community. Like, everybody gets it. Hmm. Um, I know some people who are the calmest, the anxious people who are calmer than everyone else, um, because it's a focus. It's like you finally have a channel for all that kind of free-floating anxiety. Yes, now we know what we're afraid of. 
yesterday, I think, or day before yesterday, Dr. Fauci, who's the, the infectious disease expert mm-hmm. there at, at the White House, uh, he, he was quoted as saying that, you know, there could be more than 2 million people get this and could be hundreds of thousands of people die. And he said later on, he said, I was talking about worst case scenarios, but uh, those kind of numbers do instill another word that we talk about. When we're talking about mental uh, angst and anxiety, and that word is fear. How do we separate out that fear? How do we not be afraid in these times, Deborah? I think it's really hard. I think it's really hard not to be afraid, um, especially when, when the messages keep changing all the time and when even the medical authorities aren't sure what they're dealing with. Yeah. Um, I think it's really hard not to be afraid. Uh, it's just don't let fear overrun your life. Mm. And I think we have to kind of live alongside the fear. I, you know, and, and I, I've been I've been kind of dealing with it here. We're in, we're in St. George, Utah. I know you're you're on the West Coast there, so we're not too far mm-hmm. away. But uh, one of the things we've been dealing with is it, it feels like kind of like with politics, we've gone to two extremes. I, you know, on Saturday and talking with some people, I had a, a, a group of people. I was actually playing pickleball. I don't know if you've ever played pickleball. It's one of my favorite things. But the one group. No, of, but that sounds like fun. Oh, you should try it. Yeah. Anyway, it's <laughs> the one group of people were like, oh man, this. This is so bad. We're gonna and you know and they had the hand sanitizer and they had the gloves mm-hmm. and, and everything like that, which which is good. Uh, but they were they were sure that a lot of people were going to die. And then there was this whole other group, equally as big as the first group, that said, "This is all pretty much a hoax. Uh, COVID nineteen is nothing but a you know it's not even as bad as the flu. Everybody needs to chill out. It's not a big deal. And I don't care about social uh, distancing." Uh, it's amazing to me, Deborah, that we've divided into these two groups like that. It seems like to me the answer has got to be somewhere in the middle, right? It's got to be somewhere in the middle. I mean, we've been so polarized on so many issues. It's mm-hmm. really sad to see this become a polarized, kind of politicized issue, too. It really shouldn't be. There, sh- there should be hard, cold facts that we can all agree on, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Now, you, you grew up with dread. That's another word that, you know, kind of throw in there. You go dread and fear. Those are, those are big and scary words. <laughs> you drew up, grew up with dread that you might catch one of these big major diseases. So as a person who's experienced that, and like you said a couple of times, talk to yourself down from that, what would uh-huh. be your suggestion to the rest of us who maybe are feeling a little bit of fear or dread? I think information is the best antidote, Mm -hmm. Um, and and, and as you said, it's harder and harder to get objective information, but we need objective information. I mean, I read all the medical authorities. I read everything about every antiviral drug that's out there that that possibly can be tested. Um, I, I think information is the best antidote, a sense of humor, if you can maintain a sense of humor, even while you're terrified. Yeah. Um, and just reality testing, reality testing, reality testing, and not projecting too far into the future. I mean, kind of one day at a time. Because uh, if we start catastrophizing into the future of millions of people dying, we're all going to be terrified. Yeah. We're not going to behave rationally. Now, speaking of behaving rationally, it's been much publicized. There's been a run on things like toilet paper and bottled water, which, and by the way, our water our water is fine. Uh, but uh, what what do you make of all that? Is that a form of uh, uh, hysteria or hypochondria, or what do you think? Well, I, I, you know, my father had a lot of empty rituals he would perform that made him feel better, even though they really did nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like this can opening thing where we would have to listen to the air go, go into the can and that would reassure him that somehow we wouldn't get botulism. And I really? think that some of those rituals, like I saw a guy loading literally 50 rolls of toilet paper into two carts in the market, and the look on his face was like, if I don't do this, I'm going to die. <laughs> I, I think they're like calming rituals that have nothing really to do with safety. Well, that's a good point. I, I, didn't, I haven't really looked at it that way. Maybe this is just people's way of making themselves feel better, I guess, mentally, huh? Yeah, I think they feel, somehow they feel safer with 50 rolls of toilet paper, but mm. we know 50 rolls of toilet paper is not going to make you safe, right? No, well, I don't know. I guess you could build a fort. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Try to keep our sense of humor about it, right? I but, don't know what they think. What, what they think is coming, what sort of apocalypse is coming. I mean, I think there have been too many apocalyptic movies, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. We're talking with Deborah Lott. She is an author uh, from – now, what's the university you work at? Is it Antioch? Is that right? I teach at Antioch University, Los Angeles. I teach uh, creative writing and literature. I actually uh, teach a class on the trauma memoir. So we read about all sorts of trauma from – Societal traumas like the Holocaust and slavery to personal traumas like abuse in the family. So um, I know a lot about trauma, and yeah. I think everybody is going through a trauma right now. And for some people who've had a lot of other traumas in their life, it's almost like PTSD that they're suffering. You know, the, the whole world went through World War II, and yet there were a few countries around the world that it didn't really affect or touch. But uh, to, to my knowledge, at this point, coronavirus has gotten to, I don't know, like 98% of the countries in the world have at least one case of coronavirus. Have you, have you ever seen anything like this? It's, it's amazing. No. I mean, I, no. I've never seen anything like I don't I don't think most of the medical people have seen anything like this. That's why... They're freaked out, too, um, and that's why the advice changes from day to day, and uh, they're not sure either what's going on. I mean, this is, this is something unprecedented. Yeah, for sure. Well, as, as a person who's grown up with uh, this kind of anxiety, uh, how, do you, how would you sort out the irrational from the reasonable? What's your, what's your best piece of advice for, for those of us that are trying to sort it all through? I think the most, most information you can get, the better. Um, reliable medical authorities. I, I think uh, social media is not good because mm. everybody posts everything. Mm -hmm. uh, true or not. True or not. Yeah. Um, and then people run with it. Um, and then people get each other all freaked out about it. So, I mean, I'm listening to Dr. Fauci, but, um, I, I, you know, the Mayo Clinic, uh, the CDC, uh, I think information is the best antidote, and and just talking yourself down and and talking to other people. I mean, social support really helps when you're all alone with your own brain. That that can be a very dangerous place to be. Oh, well said. When you're all alone with your own brain, that can be a dangerous place to be. That's true. Very, very true. Sometimes sad, but true. Uh, again, Deborah wrote the book, uh, Don't Go Crazy Without Me. It'll be out later on this week, uh, actually April 7th, I think you said, right, Deborah? Right, and they can order it right now on Amazon. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for, for coming on and talking talking about it. One more note uh, before you go. I just wanted to ask you, uh, uh when was that aha moment when you realized you had to move on with life and start dealing with things, not like your father did, but like you did, like you do? Um, well, I had, 
a, a, a couple. I mean, I had the aha moment when my father was actually hallucinating and seeing people out the window there. Yeah. Um, and then I had another aha a moment when I was actually at the Ambassador Hotel as a youth volunteer the night that Robert F. Kennedy was assassinated. And I saw people grieving in a different way than my father had been able to grieve. And I thought, okay, this, this is what grief looks like. This is different from hysteria. Hmm. Um, and, and I had kind of a reckoning from being there and being part of that campaign and also being able to be an activist and care about something beyond myself and my own family. Awesome, and, and uh, th- that is really cool. I, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you sharing some thoughts, and hopefully we'll learn that uh, information is uh, a good weapon against fear and, and dread. Deborah, yes, thank you so yes. much. Okay, thank you. Great to All talk right. to you today. Good luck with the book. You too. The book, thank you. Thank you. The book, again, is called Don't Go Crazy Without Me. The author is Deborah Lott. Look for it. You can actually pre-order it right now on Amazon. All right. We've got to uh, not have to. We're going to jump into our weather forecast. It's 927 on News Radio 94.9, 890 KDXU. We've got Southern Utah's most accurate and dependable forecast. Here's ABC4 News meteorologist Erica Martin. Good morning, I'm ABC4 News meteorologist Erica Martin. St. George expected high temperatures for today in the upper 60s, mostly sunny skies. I hope you're having a great start to your day. The southwesterly winds will be really nice by tonight. Breezy 10 to 15 miles per hour, increasing expected high temperatures. Cedar City, for you, you're going to see upper 50s today, 60s for tomorrow. With Southern Utah's most accurate and dependable forecast, I'm ABC4 News meteorologist Erica Martin. Interior, exterior stain and wood finish paint, windows, mirrors, doors, and more. Even cracked windshields. When you hear the crash, think of Jones Paint and Glass. Right now, it's 47 degrees under sunny skies here in St. George in Cedar. 38 degrees, 47 in Hurricane and Mesquite already in the mid-50s now. Sunshine throughout the region. Look for a high today, as you heard Erica say, right around 67, 68 degrees. Low tonight, 43. And then we hit 70s for the next three days, 74 Tuesday, 76 Wednesday, and high 70s for Thursday as spring has sprung here in Utah's Dixie. Let me give you a chance here to, t- or I want to get a chance to talk about Joe Shoney. He's a local loan consultant. He focuses on customer service. In fact, he went online. He said, hey, go ahead and re- review me on the socialsurvey.me website. And he has 320 reviews now and averages 4.92 stars. It even went up a hundredth of a percent there, including this one from Rebecca. Said Joe was fantastic to work with for our out-of-state seasonal home purchase. He was always professional and prompt and answered my questions quickly and accurately. Five stars. Uh, here's Richard. He said Joe and his team did everything they could to get me the lowest rate and to close quickly. Very easy to work with. Five stars. And Gary says Joe and his team, specifically Corey, were absolutely fantastic to work with. So give Joe Shoney a call today. 435-590-6300. We'll be right back. 